has all the knowledge you want. Malik books has all the knowledge you need. Malik books. Yeah, they have all the books that the whole wide world wanna read. Malik books. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Malik's book, bringing a world together with books, culture, and community. Hi, my name is Malik, your host of Malik's Bookshelf. I want to take time out, thank everyone who consistently, every week, tune in to Malik's Bookshelf. I just really appreciate, you know, you listening to me. I never thought I would have a podcast, talk every week about a subject matter, reading a review on a book, or talking about something going on in the community. Well, hey, I appreciate you tuning in uh, every week to listen to what I have to say. And what I got to say on this episode is I'm talking about community. And lately, I've been really focused on that, blending in a few uh, book reviews. But let me tell you something. We got a big election coming up. And it's the, called the midterm election. And that's in the news every single day, turn any channel, you know, and they talking about this upcoming. They talking about that what's at stake and what's important and that uh, a major paradigm shift can happen if this party get in or if this party loses or whatever. But the, I'm going to give you my take on this upcoming election. And let me say this. You know, this episode is called Voting for the Lesser of the Two Evils. And I'm going to go into detail about the perspective in the black community and how we look at elections. And they, a lot of people openly admit this, but some of them secretly won't just tell you this. But I'm going to give you some insight about how black people vote. Also, on this episode, I'm releasing the Latino power grab scandal that happened out here in Los Angeles where some city council members got together in a boardroom and was discussing some vile and slanderous and unthinkable words about black people and how to power grab a city council seat from a prominent black city council member. They were scheming, plotting, conniving on trying to try to take control of that seat. And I was able to interview Tina Sampi, a.k.a. Slauson Girl, and get the inside scoop of the outrage that was taking place in Los Angeles. So enjoy this upcoming episode, Voting for the Lesser of Two Evils. A big, big outrage has just taken place where a big scandal where someone had to leave an absence because of some information that was leaked to the public on an audio tape where they was plotting and planning to subvert a, a council seat and do a power grab and certain statements was made. But I got firsthand knowledge. Someone that was down at the city council meeting where they was demanding some resonations. Well, I got Slauson girl, Tina Sampi, on the phone. And she's going to give us the inside scoop of this big scandal that just took place. Talk to me, Slauson girl. Talk to us about the outrage and what all the people that was upset about. This audio tape that was leaked. Give us some first-hand knowledge about this whole scandal. 
Yeah, Malik, um, thank you so much for, um, you know, uh, centering my voice. I really do appreciate that. I think that's very important, um, you know, to center black voices and journalists. So thank you so much. Um, welcome, yeah, as welcome. mentioned, news broke of, of a leaked audio revolving, involving three of L.A. City Council members. Um, those council members being Nuri Martinez, uh, Gil Cedillo, and Kevin DeLeon. Um, they were on tape, and uh, the tape caught some very um, just offensive remarks and language um, about the constituents that these council members serve. Um, specifically, though, they were speaking about redistrict redistricting in Los Angeles, and yes. um, just you know, the the tape just showed how. Um, you know, people are perceived through the lens of, you know, race and identity, um, especially even in politics, you know, when we mm -hmm. all should just be mm -hmm. looked at as people, as human beings. Um, and so this, this audio was captured at the headquarters of the L.A. County Federation of Labor. Um, Ron Herrera was the president at the time. He has since um, resigned from his role as president of the Federation. Mm. Um, mm. These three council members went to go speak with Mr. Herrera at the um, Labor Federation uh, headquarters to discuss redistricting. Um, the uh, Federation had uh, released an internal memo uh, following the audio uh, leak saying that their premises had been bugged illegally. Wow. So it appears that somebody had planted a recording, some kind of recording device in the premises at the Federation headquarters. And that's how the three council members plus the president were caught on on this audio. Mm. And um, since it was released, it, it just created a huge uh, just firestorm all yeah, the way up. Yeah. To the Outrage. People upset. I, hey, <laughs> people, people are upset, you know, but I also want people to take a moment and you know think to themselves that hey i wasn't caught on this audio but you know um how do i treat you know black and non uh and, and other people of color in my everyday life you know so i'm gonna mm -hmm. just say that you know yes. um i'm not saying that all of the outrage um isn't valid or real i just know that as a black woman that has uh, been forced to grow up marginalized in los angeles inner city the the audio comes as no surprise. We can look around and see through the policies and the lived conditions of black people in Los Angeles, yes, how people yes. feel, you know? Yes, um, yes. That, that type of thinking is embedded, woven into various institutions in Los Angeles. You know, Nuri Martinez, Gil uh, Cedillo, Kevin DeLeon, they're not the only gatekeepers or power brokers in institutions in Los Angeles, you know, Absolutely. and um, I think that this is a time for a lot of people to be having a personal reckoning with themselves, mm. you know, mm. Mm. about um, the the way in which they hinder access and equity for black people or indigenous Latino folks or non-white people in general. Right. You know? Right. So, well, I know I know I that some of the words that there was offensive. Uh, my understanding, uh, they was calling uh, a, a black child a monkey, something to that effect. Uh, right, or uh, 
comparing him bouncing around in comparisons and um, uh, uh, you know something to those so, to that effect you know right and I'm then sorry. and then wanted to plot and plan to take a councilman's seat and what to do with that seat try to steer it away from you know black people in the silence our voice um I didn't hear specifically about the seat per se, but just in general. It was like Mark Ridley Thomas. We had a redistrict Mark Ridley Thomas seat. How should we address right. that? You know, to try to make this that seat more controlling seat for for their interest. I mean, you know, it was similar right. to something like that. And that's where they talk about the power grab. The power grab is, you know, how, well, trying to strategize by undermining you know, another district to try to subvert the voice of the people who live in that right. district by putting somebody else in power that speak to their interests and so forth. Yeah, so definitely. Um, you know, a lot of uh, black folks um, uh, showed up to City Hall um, to voice their um, concern. I know specifically um, the uh, there were various black people, but people that stood out specifically was the Young Black Democratic Club. Mm -hmm. And the president um, speaking to the city council and asking them when speaking specifically on the Latino leaders and their, um, you know, actions or thoughts to try and undermine black political power, you know, in Los Angeles. Right, 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 right. um, You know, we're already being pushed out of this city in an alarming rate uh, due to the, you know, the cost of living, the gentrification and the lack of equity, you know. And so um, to hear uh, things like that about um, trying to undermine us in the political process, it's, it's very disheartening, but it's not surprising. No, it's not surprising because it's the failure of our leadership because this thing here been deteriorating for quite some time. It didn't happen overnight, but we should not right. be surprised. And I don't think you was. We should not be surprised when another group of people um, w- want power. And at any means, at any cost, <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised. We upset and we are outraged, but we need something lasting and sustainable because <laughs> this, you know, it's just like we're talking generational wealth. We're talking about, you know, because that's what this gentrification is tied to, you know, lack of generational wealth. We're not passing on nothing. And there's somebody else coming over here and scooping it all up. Because they got the, 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 the equity, the money, the resources. And then we got pol- political people in political positions that are not able to sustain, you know, that leadership. And then other people now that's in leadership, having the majority, want to subvert <laughs> and, and lock us out. <laughs> this is a vicious cycle. It's, I mean, any solutions, Tina? Any Anything that... You, you can say that offer some type of insight to solutions to what we should be doing and focusing on right now to address this? Um, well, you know, for me personally, um, I, as somebody in media, I, I, I feel like I have a level of responsibility in terms of, um, you know, like not fueling racial tensions and promoting messages of, you know, unity. Um, you know, as somebody that grew up in South Central, 
Um, you know, I, I grew up in close proximity to the Latino community. You know, um, mm -hmm. these were our friends, um, our neighbors. You know, um, I even had a foster mother who was a Latina woman. You know, who, mm -hmm. um, you know, memories are very fond in my mind. So, you know, going to college and being secluded in, you know, uh, white towns where, you know, students of color, uh, black, Latino, we had to lean on each other for support, you know? Yes, yes. I have those kinds of experiences. Yes. And those are at the forefront of my mind always. But coming back to Los Angeles after college has been a very interesting space to be in, especially as somebody that um, focuses on um, social justice issues and equity for Black people. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing that folks that weren't able to educate themselves uh, in more broader context, a lot of um, POC folks just perpetuate, you know, like white supremacy, right? Yes. So it's like within that, if you see a, a large portion of, you know, people that you would like to align with, but you feel that they don't have the necessary understanding, uh, you know, for collaboration, you feel like that you're um you're you're dropping the ball for your own people right mm. okay to be more clear mm. we just heard our latino folks um council members on the recording focused on their community and what they could do to you know um increase their political power but when black people focus just on our communities just on our advancement just on our equity we're always um made to feel bad about this, you know what I'm saying? So I think that, that for me, I um, have, you know, two um, things that I feel like we should be focused on for moving forward and and um, healing, but also making sure that we're moving in, in the right direction. I think that we do need to be working on um, our coalition efforts and making sure that you know, black and brown relations are, you know, well, strong well, enough. Lesson learned. This is, listen, you hit it on the nail. Listen, this is a lesson learned. We either, right. we must focus on our agenda unapologetically <laughs> and not care right. about what other people, coaches think. Because everybody, <laughs> everybody is That's worrying about their own. And we want to sit up here and and, and, and and include everybody and then lose and lose our power. We need to assert ourselves and we need to be unapologetically for our agenda because these are the kind of things that are going to happen and you're going to leave the door open for these kind of things. These groups, listen, right. you call you said white supremacy. What is that about? White agenda. White, right. pro-white. All right? We need our agenda to assert that and not be afraid to be unapologetically about it. listen as each group okay. listen, democracy works in some sense but it don't work in if you have a family ain't no democracy in that family the reality is that you know you you are the ruler of that house and you got to make decisions and you want the best what takes place in that house and that's the kind of you know Attitude we need to have as a community, as black people, what I'm saying. That don't mean you stepping on no other culture or other race. It's just you trying to make sure the people that you, are, you know, love and cherish and want to see rise, 
rise up and be successful. <laughs> so, you know, and we got to stop that. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say. But again, you know, you feel responsibility but yeah if we include everybody we're not gonna have no power base you ain't gonna have really no power this is what was revealed that we need to learn from we listen and, and and we can get mad and pout and shout for another culture trying to what elevate themselves right now That's you crazy. might not like it you might not like it but the reality mm -hmm. is they are of self-interest at what point are we going to be about our self-interest so that we can make sure gentrification don't happen and that you, the redistricting happens where it silences your voice, where the where where the lack of resources and the and the and and the, and the, and the, and the planning that takes place in our communities where you're not there to do nothing about it. They just popped up my house the other day and popped a sign in my yard. I ain't even ever say so. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we, the city, the, uh, the city of Inglewood. What did it say? About, you know, you got to have this permit. Don't, you know, don't park here a certain time unless you got this permit. No stadium parking, you know, because SoFi Stadium. I'm just saying, you know, I can't get a say so. You just show one day and pop it in <laughs> on the sidewalk without no notice in a split lot where you could have put it in the middle, but you're going to put it right by my driveway. And I'm like, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, that's off topic, but it's just, you know, things happen and you don't have no say so. And that, and that you feel powerless. That's all I'm trying to say. You feel marginalized. You feel targeted. Even though you might have good intentions, but man, you didn't give me no notice. You ain't give me no heads up. You ain't give me a, a say so. <laughs> so anyway, but hey, hey, I want to thank you, Tina, for dropping the firsthand knowledge. You was down there. You saw the outrage of the people. And this ain't just here. It's happening all over this country. And we need to do something about it. We need to we need to we need to elevate our voice and have an agenda. And willing to stand firm and unapologetically about it because, you know, yes. that's just, you know, it's, we got to assert ourselves. And this anger, this outrage that's in the community needs to have a direction that has lasting effect and not temporary. That's all I got to say. Right. <laughs> so thank so, you. Yeah, that's why we need to support black media, too. Yes, um, absolutely. Because that's how we assert our viewpoints and our power is through the media. All of this firestorm happens through the media. You know what I'm saying? And anything that happens moving forward is going to, you know, um, the media is going to be the one that pushes that or shakes that or shares that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if we don't have black media that have our interests uh, and speak directly to our issues then we're never going to be uh, really have um, our power be asserted. We might have the power, uh, but in terms of like asserting it, a lot of it is, is media. A lot of that is, is media. The media is um, powerful. Powerful. Support, support black media. That Absolutely. Is, you know, from the community that's not exploiting issues for their own interest, you know? Yes, um, yeah. We're 
we're rooted in the community and we want to see the community move forward. You know, wherever we can do to support yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Tell us, tell us how they can um, support Slauson Girl Media. Yes. So um, we have a platform called The Voice of Black Los Angeles. And um, that is a, a newer platform. We just lost, I just launched the website to that. Um, this is a platform that will be more of a collaborative effort between Black Los Angeles. Um, I still have my platform, Sauce and Grill. You can listen to my podcast on Apple um, or Spotify, um, where I interview people. We talk a lot about history, race, culture. And um, check me out at um, thevoiceofblackla.com. If anybody, um, any black writers or journalists looking for opportunities, please contact us. Um, it's the platform for you. So, yes. Wonderful, so wonderful. Really thank you, it. thank you. We pre appreciate that. you letting the streets know on Malik's bookshelf, bringing the world together with books, culture, and community. Thank you, Tina. The word on the street is it's a lot at stake with this upcoming election. And I'm just going to give my take on, and I don't really dab into politics, but because we lose on both sides. That's how my, that's how I see it. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think the saving grace is politics. Um, I'm not against people voting. Um, I think you should pay attention attention to your local uh, propositions and you know policies that are coming up locally I think you should pay attention and pay closely uh, to those issues because they, they directly affect you and it's, it's you know you win one day and the next election they're trying to lose you know it's just this whole thing where you have to be focused on I mean life is hard enough as it is and Every single day, every single month, every single, you know, year, you have to focus on these politicians, these elections, and you have to act as though you can vouch for their character and their, you know, truthfulness and what they stand for. It's insane. It's, life is already difficult. This is why a lot of black people, I believe, tune out. And they vote based upon what's emotional, not what's best for their interest because black people are just trying to survive and live, you know. So this whole election, when black people go to the poll, I'm going to say this, the majority of them vote for what we call the lesser of the two evils. That's how they see it. I'm only voting for the lesser of the two evils because I don't think no good, no real change is going to happen because of a politician being in office. Ain't no good is going to happen. We had Obama as the 44th president of the United States, and he was black. And there are a lot of black. And, hey, listen, I think that him winning was a great achievement, and I voted for him. I think it was a great achievement, um, the fact that a black man won the White House. And I think that, and I like to use that when I'm talking to youth and kids and shatter the myth of impossibility because most black people, we didn't think he was going to win. We hoped he won, you know, but he won. And we was excited about that. But 
he didn't do anything specifically for black people, what I'm saying. He did things in general for um, United States, and he done things for other specific groups, but he didn't do much directly. Say, hey, I'm going to do this specifically for black people, like affirmative action. See how it specifically target, you know, disenfranchised people. He didn't do anything directly. Now, I'm not, you know, knocking him, but what I'm saying is, you know, when white politicians and presidents get in office, they have no problem whatsoever doing things that directly benefit white America. And let's just keep it 100. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'm, I can't fault. I cannot fault white people for doing something to promote and enrich their communities because they're looking out for themselves. Now, if that's if that's bad for a group of people to look out for themselves, then excuse me. But as black people, if you have children, you would look out for your children. You would want the best for your children. That don't mean stepping on other people, but it's looking out for your kids and it's looking, making sure that they win. They're not trying to put down another group of kids or anything, but you're going to look out for your own. Come on now. So anyway, when these politicians get in the office, and that's why I think black people should just be straight up independent. You sh we shouldn't be no party because we, there's strength in us being united and being, you know, in a party that allows us to have flexibility and allow us to, you know, use our voice in a way to get something done. Why we simply majority go just vote Democrat and then a small percentage go vote or blacks go vote Republican? I don't I, I don't understand that. And I don't think that's a good political strategy. And I think that the majority of black people, when they do vote, they vote for the lesser of the two evils. That's how I hear it all the time. They'll deny it, but I hear it all the time. Because most black people don't really think anything going to happen when the politician get elected. When, when black people went out and voted for Biden, they didn't think nothing was going to really happen to benefit us. But, hey, when you, with, 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 the, with the black vote voting, the majority for Biden, you see what I'm saying? Look what you got. You got recession. You got inflation. You got the highest food prices. Oh, my God, the highest gas prices. You have a president that um, appears to have some cognitive issues. Let's just be keeping real. I mean, hey, he's old. He's an elder. When you get older, sometimes these things happen. You get ailments. Okay, he got it. But what, what, what I'm saying is, is... Um, things are a lot harder today as a result of our vote to help put Biden in, in the White House. And when, when black people went and voted two years ago, they were voting for the lesser of the two. They think Biden was the lesser of the two evil over Trump. That's why, they, you know, that's what it is. And it ain't changed the day. Just because uh, uh, different politicians are running for office, and it ain't going to change two years from now. When black people go vote, 
They're going to go vote for the lesser of the two evils. That's just the way it is. Listen, you asking a 40, 50 million black people to just overnight just, you know, erase the oppression, the discrimination, the racism, and all the hardships that are afflicted on the majority of the black community, the police brutality, the social injustice, and all the ailments that plague black America and America in general, you asking for them just, oh, oh, uh, I'm just going to overnight forget about all that. Nah, let's be real. Most All these things that we suffer from, fast food, um, restaurants on every corner, <laughs> you know, then we got, you know, marijuana shops <laughs> on every corner as though, you know, this recreational drug, marijuana, weed, you know, it's going to bring nothing but progress in our community. Let's keep it real. Drugs have devastated our community. Whether it be weed, alcohol, cocaine, crack, heroin, all this is nothing but devastated the black community. And now we got weed shops on every corner. How did it get there? Politicians. You know, how did all these fast food restaurants just killing everybody, give them high blood pressure, <laughs> diabetes? How did they get there? Once again, politicians. See? All these, you talk, complain about what's going on in schools and the lack of resources. How did they get like that? Politicians. Why the money go in this direction and don't go over in this direction where this community is underserved? Politicians. There ain't no great white hope, and there ain't no political hope. It ain't going to come from, <laughs> we're not going to change our reality until we come together and do for self and change our reality. It's our responsibility. We got to stop this hand act with the hands out. Yeah, you can get some of them crumbs that, you know, that are available because you qualify. But real change is not going to come from them crumbs. Real change is going to come when 40 million black people pull their money together and work together collectively and make no excuses for their failures. I guarantee change is going to come then. And then now your vote is more powerful because you're voting as a block and you're going to force these politicians to what? to do what you need to be done to get things done in a way that can benefit. That's how the game is played, and we ain't playing it correctly because we tend, we're trying to vote for just one party as if this one party hasn't been devastating over the many decades and years. Most of these cities are ran, you know, I'm keeping it one. Most of these cities are ran by, you know, politicians, whether they de Democratic, and I believe they're the majority, and some Republican. And all the problems that's plaguing these cities, knock, knock. If a problem happened in your house, those in authority are, you know, is where the problem resides, see? They don't take responsibility for their failure. Their failures. And I'm saying that we need to vote independent 
and we need to put money behind our vote. Because when we do vote, we're going to vote for the lesser of the two evils. Which is not saying much. And most people's views about the political world is the fact that it's a world of corruption. It's a world paid for play. It's a world where deals are made to only benefit the rich and the elite. So it's the lesser of the two evils. And that's not saying much. And you still have another option. Just don't vote. That's still a political strategy that many people, you know, use as a strategy and abstain. You don't have to vote if you don't like the choices. But when people do vote, they are voting. You know, I'm talking about specific black people. They vote for the less of the two evil. But we need to stop really doing that because you ain't getting really nothing for your vote but more hell. Thanks for listening to Malik's Bookshelf, where topics on the shelf are books, culture, and community. Be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. Check out my Instagram at Malik Books. See you next time.